Hi, I'm Letty, and you're listening to the Family Podcast with Jared and Christy. Well, hello, and welcome to the next episode of our uh, Family Podcast. This is episode five, uh, and it's all about uh, family in fostering. Uh, and so we're going to share a little bit with you today about our journey, um, a very short journey, I'd say. Short but sweet. Short but sweet journey um, in foster care. Um, yeah, obviously, um, for some of our listeners in other countries, foster probably a bit different. Foster system is probably slightly different, I'm guessing, or not. Don't know. Don't know. Never maybe fostered in America. No, but uh, obviously um, in Australia, you know, fostering um, is. Yeah, it's not something that a lot of people do. Um, there's always a shortage. So if you're out there and you're a loving believer in Christ, you want to go and sell, help and serve others, that's one awesome way to do it. Definitely um, worth it. Definitely worth it. Um, and please don't take any of our bad stories as a hint that we didn't enjoy it. We did. We mm-hmm. loved our time in foster mm-hmm. care. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just one of those things that we did that we really felt God calling us to at the time. Um, there are seasons for everything. There was a season to everything. And yeah. We definitely um, had yeah, a fair share of fun as well in that. But I think Chrissy's going to start us off today with some good stuff. So in uh, 2014, after our sort of first six months of marriage, we moved, um, relocated back to Melbourne for me. First time living in Melbourne for Jared. And we moved into a four-bedroom home in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne um, after some quite intensive foster care training. Well, that actually means six months of training in about two months. So, <laughs> two, no, weeks, two weeks, I think, yeah. So it wasn't very long, but we, we did it. We, 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 lucky we We're smart. very clever. Yeah, very yeah, clever. very clever people. Yeah. We packed um, everything we owned into our car. We sold one of our cars, so we just had the one, packed everything into the car, including our dog, Mm. Judah. Shout out, Dewey. We don't have him anymore, but he was was a beautiful dog. Anyway, um, and we were ready to walk through the doors uh, that God, we believed that God had opened for us. And so we had this beautiful home um, in Melbourne with our three beautiful teenage foster kiddos Um, and at the time when we first went into foster care we had two boys and a girl aged between 15 and 17. Yeah and uh, it was pretty awesome in fact um, the the girl arrived probably a couple of days after we Mm. got there um, because the previous one there'd been three boys and one of them had been kicked out of the home I think for vandalizing and possibly destroying I've got a good memory I know that when we (laughs) when we were initially given the position um it was kind of with the intent that we would have um the three kids Mm -hmm. long term yeah like for the foreseeable future yeah and then before we got there the first one was kicked out and then we found ourselves with a new girl very quickly Mm -hmm. on First time placed in foster care. She'd never been in foster care before. Mm. Uh, So we had what you would call um, your high-risk teens, so Mm. kids that were too, um, probably too difficult for usual foster care, but, um, you know, had, yeah, they weren't, they didn't want to lock them away and that sort of thing. So there's something called secure welfare. Yeah. Um, That's when kids are, like, displaying pretty tricky behaviour. Yeah. So they're kind of... um, 
go into a home where there's an adult working there. Yeah. Um, and get locked away at night. Pretty basically. much, yeah. Um, and so you that know, wasn't that was the next step for these kiddos. Yeah. Um, yeah. If so, it wasn't successful in our sort of setup. And that's right. And so you know, we we arrived on the scene um, pretty green in it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so even before we arrived, the previous carrier, carer had sort of set up the home. Uh, there was a lounge room at the front. She'd called the kid-free area, which was basically the front lounge room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the TV was there. Um, the dining room actually in the home was empty. And I, remember, I was right remembering this before. It had been previously used by the boys as a bit of an entertainment area, um, you know, with a PlayStation, things like that, and actually got trashed and the couch was even... I, I remember them telling us that the couch was shredded by knives. Like, yeah, well, because cr- the boys, the boys that we moved into, had a bit of a fun time yeah. prior to us being there. And the deck itself was, um, they had tried to set a fire on the deck. That's right, because um, they were so fond of their previous yes, foster care. That's right. So there was a lot of interesting things yeah. that had happened. And, prior. And, and obviously, you know. So we would move in, there's an empty dining room, and we're like, why is there an empty dining room? But it was more than the dining room. Like, it was just bereft of love. Mm. You know, like, we, we knew going into it would be tricky, um, but we at least thought there'd be a place to sit together, mm. to have a meal. Um, um, and, and not saying that we never met the previous foster mm. carer, um, and it's a tough gig. So very it's tough. not like, very, like very tough. she was rubbish, they were rubbish, we were amazing. No. It's a mm. very tough gig, but Absolutely. these are just some little things that we noticed that we could kind of introduce into the space yeah. to create more of a family vibe. So, honey, what were some of the practical things that we did? Because I remember I was away a fair chunk. I had a couple of days a week mm. in a chaplaincy role an hour away. Yeah. So I was there full time. Um, so like Jared said, we got a dining table ordered um, so that we could sit <laughs> around the table and have dinner every night together. Um, and that was like, that was a big deal for some of those kids because that was full on culture shock, yeah. sitting yeah. at a table, eating food with people and mm. talking. Yeah, that's um, right. So we would do that every night and the kids knew that they needed to come to the table and eat. Um, they needed to at least try the food. And <laughs> we would, we would like we do now with our kids actually, um, we would go through our highlights for the day. Mm. And so we would kind of, yeah, expect that everyone would share one highlight. That's just yeah. one practical thing, just mm. talking and eating together. Like yeah. in the Bible, hospitality is such a key aspect. Yeah. Um, and there's something really significant, I feel like, in sharing hospitality with others. Mm. Well, the boys definitely enjoyed the hospitality, I think, of food <laughs> on the table. They did, yeah. when, when they got home on time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes well, they were always there out. for them. Yeah. But we always had dinner ready for them, and when they got home, it was always there for them to heat up if they wanted to. Yeah, and it, like it was so nice. Sometimes, you know, the boys would come into the kitchen, and you know, I was like their pseudo mum, so they're learning from me different things um, that I'm preparing and how I do things. It was really, really special to do that um, with the kids. <laughs> uh, another, another practical, you know, teenagers they have technology. Um, so one thing that we put in place was that technology was off at night. Um, so we would take the devices from the kiddos 
and store them in our bedroom, yeah. which had a lock on it. We actually had a little closet um, in yeah, our room. We had a filing cabinet, lockable filing cabinet in a lockable closet in a lockable room <laughs> where we put all the knives at night. We put all the glassware. When Medication. The kids were, Struggling with self harm, we put all the glassware away because we were yeah. afraid they'd break it and use it, which they had tried to do. Yeah. So it was like technology for us, went it, in there. Technology went in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a secure place, and then the kids got their stuff back in the morning. Yeah. But you know, just so that they could rest, time yeah. to rest and yeah. um, make good choices at night time, I guess. And they weren't always met with um, positivity; those decisions that we had to make. But no. But you know, but it was about it was about creating a safe environment for them as well. And, and kiddos honestly feel safe and loved yeah. when there's predictability and boundaries in place. Absolutely, and without going into any details about individuals, there were some really unsafe environments they had come from. A couple yeah. of them, yeah. um, as well as you know their own behaviour and um, conditions would mm. would often put them in at risk. Yeah. So, yeah, but we. Um, one of the things Christy did, which I was I loved, she did this big celebration wall. So you should probably tell them about that. So um, it was at the dining table. There's a big wall opposite the dining table, and we would take photos and write, um, you know, some of the highlights that we shared. I'd write little note cards and stick them up on the wall with who had said what, and just create a bit of a memory board, yeah. I guess, for our family. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if we couldn't think of anything, you know, there's an anchor, yeah. remember the time. Um, but just to celebrate the little things with each other. And yeah. I'm a visual learner, so seeing it visually um, can help trigger things in my mind. But having, you know, photos and just nice, happy things. Because um, yeah. for those kiddos, life wasn't always happy no. memories. Yeah, well, look, I remember one of our boys who left us pretty early on, mm. um, because he just had a rough time, but yeah. and um, you know he'd started learning how to research bomb making and stuff like that, <laughs> and so you know he um, he loved us. He was really great. Mm, Actually, yeah, we loved him. I we ran, still love him. Yeah, and I ran, ran into him a few years later, and um, you know he was going through a rough time, and he sort of wanted to meet Letty because I told him he had a, a daughter, and so he stayed on a train longer with me just to see Christy and see the baby. Um, you know, and he's, he's one of those kids that just, you know, like he was just a really funny kid. He had lots of funny ideas. Um, <laughs> made us laugh a made lot. Made us laugh a lot. A um, but, yeah, within would two weeks. <laughs> would you rather? But he, within two weeks he left because he threatened to blow up the organisation we work for mm. over something that happened. And so we lost him and that brought another girl into the, into the place. So, mm. yeah, it was quite interesting going through all that. Mm. Um, and then that girl came in and the one of the boys and recently every time one of the kids would change the dynamics yeah. would shift absolutely and so we had to work to shift the yeah. atmosphere yeah. back to you know a place of peace and yeah. um whether the kids realized or not having yeah. the presence of god in the home yeah and the way we did that was through some pretty strong boundaries um it's funny christy was telling me today that you know we uh, we actually um catch up with someone just to get parenting advice you know because it's good to do that uh, on how to parent our current kids and uh yeah it's funny to think that um you know we talk about boundaries that we set for these younger or for these foster, foster kids, kids and uh now we're doing it sort of starting the process with our own kids mm -hmm. and hoping we do a really good job at that <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a challenge it's, 
most of you out there who are parents would know. Mm. But yeah, we, we made sure we had boundaries um, and, you know, that we didn't judge them by their past mistakes. Mm. Uh, we did make sure they never felt judged um, for their shortcomings, but we did set clear boundaries. Like they quickly realised that swearing, mm. um, you know, some of the music choices that they had at the time mm. um, didn't really line up with ours. Um, yeah, occasionally we'd let them have control of the radio for a couple of <laughs> minutes. Um, but, you know, really it was just whenever we heard something that even so, I remember some of the lyrics were so devaluing mm. of women and the girls mm. were re- like loving these songs. I'm like, do, girls, do you realise mm. what you're listening to is actually saying this is okay for you to go through this as a mm. woman and, you know, trying to affirm them and just say, hey, that's not who you are. I remember um, um, learning the word racking for the first time racking, from one yes. of our girls. Yeah. And, um, you know. Well, you better explain for the listeners what racking uh, means. Racking is essentially stealing. Like stealing as, from the rack. Yeah, so like going into racking. a store and yeah. stealing um, what you like. Yeah. And, um, you know, you build a relationship with yeah. these kiddos and you just genuinely love each other. Yeah. And I remember one of them coming home one day after racking a tub of Nutella for me. Like, and that comes from a really beautiful place, right? Because <laughs> she knew I liked Nutella, uh-huh. uh, like a chocolate mm-hmm. hazelnut spread. But that kind of breaks one of our boundaries and <laughs> values of do yeah. not steal. Yeah. Um, so I had to, you know, affirm her and thank her. Oh, my goodness, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I actually can't accept that. And you need to take that back because we don't we don't steal things in our family. But knowing me, I probably didn't realise that was the case. I probably ate half No, we before. didn't. No, okay. <laughs> no. But that's what happened with our current Nutella jars when they go to security. Yeah, right? hide things low. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we and then even things like, you know, um, our girls, you know, they may have, come home looking different, but they always left the house very modestly dressed and in, in, in protecting themselves in that regard. But, but that would change to... as well. Yeah. When, like that, right. I'm thinking of one of the girls in particular, when we first got, uh, when she first came to us, yeah. the way that she dressed just showed that she really had no value for yeah. herself. Yeah. And it was so sad. Yeah. And even the way that she would put her makeup on and do yeah. her hair and, not shower and all these things. Like we would yeah. buy them fragrances mm. and just little things to, you know, help them feel valued and beautiful. Yeah. And slowly, yeah. and and we weren't in it for very long. It felt slowly. Yeah. Um, well, let, 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 to sort of fast forward, literally two days before we left, mm. we hadn't been allowed to tell her because of fear that, that we were leaving. What, what would happen? What we were leaving and. Mm. Uh, I remember two days before that same girl saying to me, you guys can't ever leave. It nearly broke our hearts because it was oh, yeah. like what, what, we, what, we're, about to what do. we're about to do. It was mm. so hard. But at the same time, um, you just have to trust that what you what we shared and what we'd given them in that time was useful. That's right. Um, but, yeah, we wanted them to know who they really were and we tried to call them up and see the gold in them yeah. and, yeah, bring that out of them. But, Chris, you can tell you about the hard days. Like I said, I wasn't always there for everything. I was there for most of it, but I missed some key moments and, uh, yeah. So it was hard. It was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life personally um, because if the kiddos were having, you know, a day where they didn't want to go anywhere or a week where they didn't want to leave the house, we couldn't leave either. So if we wanted to go to church, we couldn't do that. Um, So... 
because I was in it, in the thick of it, all of the time and often without Jared being there, I found some days really, really hard. And I remember um, I was so thankful that we were able to take um, our dog Judah, who acted as a therapy dog in that situation. I was there, so, man, for you. Totally. I was so yeah. glad that we could take him. Um, so I remember this one day in particular walking down our street uh, with my sunglasses on and just crying and saying, God, I actually don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm strong enough um, to get through this season because it's really, really hard. Um, yeah, and I, I said to God, you know, I'm scared. Like these kids, as much as we loved them, we were kind of still getting to know them and yeah. their background, some of the things that they'd done. Yeah. It was actually a bit scary for a for me to be by myself, you know, especially when the two boys were home and it was me. Um, there were times where I was scared and I had to switch my thinking um, and yeah. really focus on Jesus and yeah. know that it was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, one of the practical things we made, I made Fred, Judah would often jump the fence and a beautiful neighbour across the road yeah. would get him and keep him at his home. Um, so I kind of connected with him across the road. And they, our neighbours didn't know we were a foster care home. I don't yeah. know what they thought was going on across oh, the road. Yeah. Police, Police would be over there us and <laughs> random different yeah. kids yeah. and different carers or whatever. But <laughs> I connected with those guys and it mm. gave me, you know, I felt a bit safer. Yeah. Um, but there were times where I felt way over our heads in that space and the only thing that I could cling to was Jesus. Yeah, and that's, I'm glad because I wasn't there for you to cling to. And yeah. that's the truth though, like, you know, in, in a family, you know, that we need to have Christ at the centre of what mm. we do. Um, otherwise, you know, when, when one of us is weak, you know, and can't carry the other one, then Jesus is there to do that for us. And there's so often when those times are really, really hard, yeah. it takes so much strength. And I'm so mm. glad that I have dug deep wells with Holy Spirit yeah. through my journey that I could draw on those spaces, those yeah. spaces and um, switch my thinking and get my thoughts focused on God yeah. and let the peace that passes all understanding of this crazy situation kind of just massage my heart yeah well i think um one of the key parts of what we did um and what we our giftings i guess is worship mm. and not being able to go to church was one of the hardest things mm. but what we did was we we just chose to change the atmosphere in the home you know mm. through when we had time in our own room we'd have some worship on quietly you know so we could meditate on, on what god was saying to us but we also used it when kids were escalating. And mm. I still remember three nights in a row on the the two two nights we'd gone to the hospital with two different girls, mm. and then the third girl who we by this stage had three girls. Mm. The third girl had escalated and was wanting to her harm herself, so we were heading off to the children's hospital, and um, we decided enough was enough. We put the prophetic. Um, some mm. prophetic worship on which had no lyrics car. but just in the car and um by the time we got halfway to the hospital the child had um had sort of de-escalated de and felt confident to go home and they weren't going to hurt themselves anymore and we, and just, we would often do that in the car oh over and over or like yeah constantly mm. um you know um but i'll get christy to share we've got only a couple of minutes left but i just wanted you to share um 
you've written something here that I'm looking at. I just want you to read it because I think it's really good what you've written here. Sure. Um, and we'll probably finish with that. So our heart in this journey was just to love the kids. Some days for us um, looked like asking one of the girls to leave home with more clothes on, and that was the way we loved them. Um, some days love looked like laughing with the boys as they scared other workers with their crazy masks and things, just having fun <laughs> together. Some days love looked like playing board games in the lounge room together. Some days look, love looked like getting the girls to do my hair and makeup, and I'll share a photo on Instagram of that exciting moment. <laughs> Some days love looked like calling the police and reporting that one of our kids had arrived safely home. Yep. Some days love looked like picking up one of the kids late at night so they got home safely. Every day love looked like praying for the kids. Every day involved listening and being present for each of the kids. Every day looked like asking the Lord for wisdom. And we needed wisdom. When you're in a in a place like that, you need wisdom. Mm. You need Holy Spirit to be your guide to show you to just the little things like how to how to find the one thing in that kid's heart at that moment mm. to twist to turn it around for good. Mm. Um, and so, like like we said before, we were only in it for a very short time. You know, for I believe it was four or five months. Um, but in that time, we loved these kids like they were our own, mm. and we treated them like they were our own. And, um, you know, people often say to us, oh, how are you coping with three kids? <laughs> and we're like... We did the you, reverse first. <laughs> if you only knew what our first three or six kids were like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we love being parents to our children that we have now. We're doing our best. Uh, and as, as young parents, even though I'm in my 40s, <laughs> I'm 40, um, we're doing our best. Um, but we love these kids like they were our own. And Jared even has them on his arm. Yeah. So I have a tattoo, which I might put up on thing as well, mm. which has um, some babies on it, our babies on arrows, it. Arrows, arrows. And, and they're, they're in the form of arrows, but I also have a quiver um, with six arrows in that. And so all our foster kids are on my arm as a reminder um, of, of, of that time. They're part of our family mm. and they always will be. Um, and that's because uh, we love them. Mm. And, you know, so, yeah, I encourage you if you ever thought about doing foster care, it's a great way to give back mm. just some of what God's given you. Mm. Um, you know, don't go into it blindly. Mm-hmm. Go into it with some good training and understanding of what you're going to face. But, um, yeah, we encourage you that, you know, God um, – you know, God loves the kids. Mm. He loves youth. He, he wants um, he wants all of them to know him. And so if you can be that person for someone, yeah. then we just encourage you to do that uh, because, you know, every life is worth it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to share right to finish. Um, I, I don't remember who said it, but love looks like something. And mm. ultimately love is Jesus. Like God is love. Yeah. But uh, like my challenge would be from this podcast is mm. what does love look like on a daily basis for you yeah. in your family, mm. What whatever that environment looks like, yeah. foster care, biological work, mm. whatever, in the classroom, wherever you are, what does love look like and how can you intentionally stop yeah. and see the people around you and love them yeah. where it's needed? Yeah, that's it. And, yeah, we thank you for joining us on the journey. 
we hope you're enjoying the content and mm. we pray for you that as you listen that God will give you ideas uh, as well on how to um, foster family or loving family. Um, but, yeah, thanks for joining us today and we will see you in our next podcast. You've been listening to The Family Podcast. Join us next time as we explore intentionally creating family with God at the centre.